Listen to Reverend Samuel Drew, Senior Pastor of Grace and Truth Tabernacle International, Ghana in West Africa. He comes your way with this podcast. Reverend Samuel Drew is the founder of Revival Africa and Beyond, a non-denominational mission movement. He's also the convener of international conference called Zizendorf Missions Conference, which gathers people, church workers, and church ministers from around the world for a reviving experience for God's mission. Now, Reverend Samuel Drew. I read in my Bible how the Lord appeared to Paul and told him, stay in this place. And he was there for one year and six months. And he was teaching the word of God. That is how you know a faithful minister. That is what Jesus said. And he wouldn't contradict himself. Go into all the world, preach and teach. And so the apostle Paul was grounded by the Lord even though he faced challenges that he should stay on. And he kept on and he taught the word of God for that long. I pray that you will appreciate the teaching of God's word for how long that it takes. And it will take as long as the Lord has not returned yet and is going to return. Praise the Lord. I always keep telling you the Lord will return. It is the spirit of prophecy. I, I don't send the spirit telling me to tell you that tomorrow you have this, you have that. But I see myself born by the spirit to say things like this. Because that is the true voice of prophecy. I pray that some of the things that we even hear, of course not here, but elsewhere will not dull your senses to the things of God, to the truth. But you always keep alert and alive unto truth. That's why we say here, grace to you and truth in you. Now, before we delve into this evening's message, by the way, all of it is a message from the Lord. I want to give a pastoral message, something very, very important to God's people, to the sheep of his pasture. And it's on faith. Of course, you will see that it is the basis even for our message. Now, when you open your Bible, for instance, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The only thing you can do is to believe the things in them. What do you do when you meet something like this? You have to believe. The righteousness of God begins from Genesis chapter 1, where you believe God, and then it is counted unto you for righteousness. Now, even what is happening is that in church, the roots of faith are becoming shaky because some ministers even think that this is not something we're talking about, less dying for. I mean, we don't want to talk about it. 
how can we even die for it so it is given room for expediency for reason but as long as we remain when we open our bibles for instance to genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it will still be genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it will not change god will not change his word will not change and so i want you to stay on the path of faith chapter me i will stay on the path of faith reason can take you to a point but it is faith that will take you all the way reason so you look at god's word for instance there are people who have problems with the creation of the world there are people who have problems with the red sea that it actually parted there are people who have problems with jericho walls it came down and to them these are all myths so let's demetalize the bible let's remove all these supernatural things so reason can take you to a point some people even say we like the principles of jesus but it is the person of jesus and some of them are frontline ministers they talk about wisdom they are apostles of wisdom and, and finances and they can look straight into the believers faces and tell them you see the person of jesus will give you peace and salvation but without the principles of jesus you will be poor because they want to go off into some things so reason takes over things like resurrection become heavy things for their mouth things like eternity it is irrelevant christianity to them is a showroom and once they can see and feel and touch there is no point it's right in the church some of them are even your favorite teachers because they connect you easily to things that are in your heart you like them because they are the ones who make, this is a practical teacher for me that is how ignorant you are how practical is jesus saying what shall a man give in exchange for his soul how, how is that practical and he's bigger than all these teachers who may never say that for all their lifetime of ministry so when you open your bible not just to genesis chapter 1 verse 1 but everywhere you should only believe mind you jesus said when the son of man comes shall he find faith on the earth well he was speaking in relation to prayer but faith is more than prayer or believing god for something it is what you believe and how you live or what you live so god insists the only way to please him is by faith he insists on it god insists on it and rightly so because you will be saved by faith 
Ephesians 2 8 by faith are we saved by grace are we saved through faith Romans 1 16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ it is the power of God unto salvation you will be justified by faith Romans 5 1 we are justified by faith being justified by faith we have peace with God you will be sanctified by faith that is Acts 26 verse 18 to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light them from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me you can be in a church for as long as the church lives and they are going to celebrate their 10th anniversary. They have never read the scripture. When I tell you that at our heart is apostolic Christianity, we mean everything. If you, your father gives you a shop and some people come to be taking a tin of milk, tin of sardine, uh, uh, drink you blow alarm who cares about our father's treasury of faith and that there is systematic robbery in broad daylight of the treasures of faith you see there are levels in Christianity there is the level of God do something for me. You will read your Bible for God to do something for you. That's good. Nothing wrong with it. But it doesn't do much. Do you think that Paul was reading the Bible for God to do something for him? There is a place you read the Bible and you see what God has done and can do what God stands for, who God is, and then you hold on to that. It is another place. That is the place where Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And that is Christianity in its finest. How can you be in a marriage and the mindset of the partners is what this person will do for me? It is, it is marriage flopped from day one. And that is the attitude we have brought to church. What will God do for me? So they wake up to pray because what will God do for me? You have devotions, right? Because what will God do for me? So what is the relevance of Philippians chapter 3? All the things that are dear to me, I count them as dank. And I told you, it can be 15th year anniversary, 20th year anniversary, and those things have never been read as if they are missing from the Bible. Of course, an enemy has done that. The Father's treasury and the broad daylight robbery. But by the grace of God, we have come to say that bring back the golden vessels back to the Father's house. The golden vessels. So, 
We are saved by faith, justified by faith, sanctified by faith. And nobody should say, this, this, this West people don't understand in these days. They are, they are cake West. What do you mean by sanctified by faith, justified by faith? Okay, you two, what do you mean by seed? What do you mean by olive oil? What do you mean by my papa? What do you mean by that? God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. Romans 1.17 The righteousness of God is revealed by, from believing to one point of believing. And the whole word of God will only profit us by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, the verse number 2, Hebrews 4.2 that Unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being missed with faith in them that heard it. Now, for this reason, faith, your faith, our faith must not sit on a thin, bare thread. What do I mean by that? You must get your faith strong and firm. So that you can you react easily and quickly to things like that that oppose faith. The base for faith should be broader and wider, and the roots of faith must reach deeper. Look at Colossians chapter two, verse six, and listen to me. A faith that only works when you are in trouble. It is not faith. You are an opportunist. You join the people, the rest of the people, to, to cry, oh God. People had the audacity to come here. They listen to, I wonder whether they are listening to the preaching. Because the report of their life doesn't show people are listening to preaching. I mean, I don't know where they got it from. They, they want to give you money. Pray for me. This is what I want God to do for me. My God is not into that. Colossians 2 verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, he is Lord. It must sink into you. He is Lord. He takes the decision. You don't take the decision. If Jesus says, sits here till tomorrow morning, what will be your response? As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. So the roots of faith must reach deeper. And now, this, this what I just read, was written in the midst of controversy. In other words, people's faith were being shaky. So the Apostle Paul wrote that do something to your faith. Strengthen the cause of faith. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. It was written in the midst of controversy. For instance, verse 8, beware. Because there was a controversy. There was an issue. 
lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ all kinds of rudiments of men bath with salt do this do that I knew a couple their marriage was being divided because of something like this and yet they were all in church as for the word of God it will, it will be your safety it will be look forget about counseling forget about coming to disturb my time just obey this one it will be your what it will be your what your safety it will be your safety instead of coming to see for prayer that God should do miracle for you and explaining things which cannot be explained maybe if we are listening to the word of God that says that all those who want to be rich they should be careful because they can bring a lot of pain and, and, and stress on themselves. Maybe it would have been better for you. Anointing is not only for breaking yokes. Anointing is for teaching people so that they will do things right. And then we wouldn't need to break anything because there's nothing to break. May your life be yoke free. May the yoke of the Savior, his instruction, rather be upon your neck you marry a non-believer and you have a pastor who helps you he's not even in your church can come and bless it for you this stomach led pastors and then tomorrow there is a trouble and they say you are looking for an anointed minister who will not even bother to talk about repentance to you listen hanging instead of rooted loose up instead of built up superficial in the faith instead of established in the faith will not do it can't endure it won't overcome in the conflict of life so this faith you have in God your prayer should be Lord let my faith grow exceedingly let my faith do what? Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. Second Thessalonians 1 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet. Because that your faith groweth exceedingly. It grows exceedingly. Your faith is a growing faith. Now, this life will challenge faith i mean whether you have faith or not you will be challenged so now because you are extracted from those who don't have faith because all men don't have faith i'm talking to people of faith that this life will challenge your faith this thing that you say jesus is lord i believe in god and we are you know all these tech things life will challenge it and faith must be able to answer and even conquer when it is challenged. That is what we see in Hebrews chapter 11. Challenges abound. 
And for faith to answer and conquer, we need a strong grasp of the faith. We need it. We need it so strong to move from any tendency, listen, any tendency of doubting to contending earnestly for that faith. If you start to doubt your wife, instead of defending your wife, something is wrong. This woman by your side, is he your wife? Oh, I don't know. Your wife will look top, bottom, and size. I mean, it will be the shock of her life. So I'm saying that our faith needs to grow so strong, all of you sitting here, that it, it gets so far away from even the tendency, the tendency of doubting to now contending endlessly for that faith and conquering tirelessly with that faith. Jude 4. Jude is one book. Let's, let's read verse 3 instead. Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So, instead of being a doubting believer, you want to be a contending believer. Like a husband wants to say, this is my wife. You, and, and, and he is never in doubt of it. Now on this note, I want to raise your understanding of faith the more. Because sometimes when you come to church, you think that this thing we are doing is just for this time. It's not. When you read our book on what minute this, we talk, there is a, there is a, a subheading that speaks of uh, beyond your personal salvation. The reason why Christianity is not affecting anything because it is confined within sessions. So we have meetings, it is over. We have even pastors. We ordain them in a grand meeting. Then after that, it is over. How many of you lead faith today? You went to work, 8 to 5. Where was faith between the 8 to 5? That is what is here. That is Christianity. Not I have a program. I have gone to speak. I have gone to do this. So faith is not for religious functions. Get it right. It's not for our prayer times. It's not for church service. It's not for holy solemnization of marriage. It's not for family devotions. It's beautiful. It's not for water baptism and baby dedications. That is ritualistic. That is just tradition. Faith, the Christian faith, is for life itself. Faith is for all of life. Faith is for what? All of life. 
the preacher who will shout that the most will make the most of the faith all of life so it's not what we are doing here that is faith beyond here faith you sleep in faith you wake up in faith you eat in faith you drink in faith whatsoever you you do the bible said do all to what the glory of god that's faith and then whatsoever is not of faith it is sin it's an error when you don't carry your faith to work it's an error when you don't marry by faith it's an error you know sometimes these people who are more compassionate than our ever compassionate high priest they tell you so brother you are you are growing old and that is the basis for their getting you married only for two years the marriage is no more i want to see faith and forget about faith for healing and this african kind of faith because you are poor people when you meet bill gates what will you preach when you retire all your nose on prosperity and anything and you begin to preach you are able to preach like a man like bill gates and warren buffett then you are now preaching the gospel When you can tell him that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because this man can pay you for as long as you want to be a preacher. So what will you do? They can build you a chapel without you asking for tithe. So faith is for all of, all, all of life. And that is why we are looking at the subject of God. It's a faith subject. It's a faith subject. It's a faith subject. Listen. Some of you have grown up like you. You were not from a Muslim background. So these things, it's like you came to meet them. And I'm warning you that you must be rooted in it. Don't, don't just hang on the surface of it. It is not safe. Pastor Abbas here has some attitude concerning faith that the average person here who has been to Sunday school and all these things you don't have. I don't know how to explain it to you, but he has something. Today I read of a white man, he said. Because somebody like, okay, Pastor Abbas is here. I thought he wasn't here. So it's not because he's here. That's why I'm saying that. I didn't, I didn't see him. Because I've learned from him that this book, I'm not saying that, I mean, just treat your Bible anyhow. But if your Bible is lying down, it doesn't mean you have sinned. You understand? But on the other side, they don't keep their books that way. That it is on the floor. Even you, your money, do you put it on the floor? So this man, a respected Bible teacher, he said he hates to see the Bible on the floor. And he was complaining that sometimes he, he, see, he sees people, because these are white people, with a cup of coffee sitting on their Bible. So I mean, the least thing it can, it can pour on inside the Bible. So I am sending a note to everybody here that hanging 
loose up and superficial in the faith instead of rooted grounded and established in the faith if that faith hanging because you acquired it from your parents we are going to be in trouble by the grace of God I come from like Timothy you know Paul said the faith which is in you it was in your mother it was also in your grandmother I, I, I share in a kind of life history like that but as I stand here the faith I have It's not a borrowed faith. No. If God forbid, if my parents think today, it doesn't change me. My greatest concern even for them is how, to, how they keep the faith even now. So I'm talking to you. And we are producing a lot of believers without that rootedness built up and established in the faith is not there. Hallelujah. You know, I have so many things to say by the grace of God. I'm, I'm really intentional with what I'm doing. Of course, we grow in faith, right? I just read it to you, Paul wrote the Thessalonians, that your faith grows exceedingly. And it affects everything, even the way people pray. I was reading something and I underlined a phrase. Help me to pray with purpose. I underline it, to pray with purpose, to pray with purpose. A prayer topic like, because I've heard that prayer, we're beginning the year, some people, you know, oh God, include me in your budget. How? No, no, that and you, you are happy praying. God, include me in your budget. For this year, include me in your budget. Have you read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3? You are not rooted in the faith. And you see, it is in layers. The faith is not registering in your prayer life. It's not registering in your social life. You say you are a leader. The faith is not registering. Daniel was a civil leader. He went to sales for the faith. His colleague ministers of state said, this guy, he prays. And the king, the chief, the, 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 the head of state, says that, that the commander, he should not pray. And he prayed. When I meet some of these people who say they are Christians, you know, who are into leadership or whatever, the first question I want to ask you is that, look at my face eyeball to eyeball. Sir, are you not corrupt? Leave our faith alone. Leave it alone. So faith, now listen to me. Corbat is when you put on your faith attire. It is wedding. Now by a use when I said John the Baptist and then Kebede. Yeah, and even sometimes when the pastor is around and he wants to find space for faith in those gatherings, the people say no. You will feel embarrassed when a pastor preaches salvation and gives what I call at your wedding. You will be embarrassed. 
when apostle was going to get married, he told me personally, he said, do otako, this man. And I respect him. Those of you don't know the difference between pastors. After today, you have been following me. You still don't know. You are saying. You don't know your, your, the voice of your shepherd. There is a consistency in my life. If you stay with me for 10 days only, you will know where I'm coming from, where I am and where I'm going. Only 10 days. My books will tell you. Is that not what Paul said? You know my manner of life, my doctrine, my purpose. You will know. You will know. You will know where I stand. You won't find prayer book in my books. Open to page five. Prayer for kidney. Huh? And prayer for where again? Yeah? Prayer book. Common book of prayer or books of common prayer, whatever prayer it is. Faith is for all of life. And that is why I said we are looking at the subject of God. It's a faith subject. It is what? It is the anchor of faith. It is the anchor of faith. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. Oh Lord, include me in your budget. No, it's too late. Hebrews 6, 18 to 19. It makes you a victim in life because it is not consistent with the victory notes of apostolic Christianity. Where God has placed you, you bring yourself down. When I'm not here, you think I'm not, I'm not here. I am fully alert. Fully. When you are rehearsing, I'm listening. When the songs, the song selection are light, they lack theology, they lack faith. I know it. When you pray and you miss it, I know it. You can even pray in tongues. I know it. And in case you don't know, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Your faith will grow exceedingly. It will grow. It must grow. Hebrews 6. 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Do you see that? This thing that it is your father who has given to you, how will you have strong consolation? You need to be rooted, grounded. One time I was talking with him. Not too long ago with Pastor Jay here, and he told me, he said, as for me, my background is here, it's in this church. I didn't, I was not going to church, I didn't have anything, so me, the faith, it began from here. What a blessing. It's a good thing. Only that it should be rooted. Too many of us are living on borrowed faith. We talk Christianese. And I, I told you, why am I happening on this? Because this life will challenge faith and your faith will be called to answer. Say you said you have faith. You say you are a Christian. We will call you one day. Stand here. Answer. 
all the things you read during the preacher's opening, you were trying to answer faith. I'm showing you what, you were, what was happening to you. You were on trial, and the trial has not ended. The thing you wrote at midnight, and Cecilia read it for you. Yeah. It is, it is questioning you for definitive answers, ultimate answers, until you can arrive at a place and then you say, I know my Redeemer liveth. Where I have reached now, I don't come to tell because, because somebody is looking for me. No, 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 no. My faith has passed that question a long time. That is Pasco. Amen. Yeah. And some people, when trouble hits, that's when you'll be looking for. There's no service. Is there, is there no service? At the, the, the one service. They are looking for their pastor. I, I'm a pastor. I know I receive messages, people's dreams. Amazing. Pastor, I dreamt. Pastor, this part is happening to me. Faith will be challenged. Even today, one of our children was not feeling well. They, 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 they informed me that a child is not feeling well. And with calmness, I just said, let Jesus heal him. That's all. Is that not what we read in the morning? Yeah, faith will be challenged. Because it was a question for them to answer in that place. And today, I nearly put my phone off. So what would have happened? But thank God for an access which is never shut down. And that you assess by faith alone. So he says, Hebrews 6, 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Do you even know that God cannot lie? Strong weddings, impossible. Just, just in the nick of time, what the Nibibia Butuno? It's like God is a liar. You take this Bible, you overturn it. God is a liar. I don't know what is going on in my life, you, your small life. And God has been running this world for thousands of years. We might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. May your faith be anchored. Praise the Lord. Those are the spots of power in life. When your faith begins to answer life questions. Faith, first point, is God. Faith, first point, right, is God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. First point of faith. If you can't you can grasp that, you have not come to the first point of faith. And Hebrews 11 verse 6, for without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently do what? Seek him. Faith, first point, is God. Amen? 
That was the first thing about Abraham and all that he became. It was God who appeared to him and then he began that journey. He, he was walking to a place he did not know. Faith first point is God. Even the gospel. When you, when you hear gospel, you think of Jesus Christ immediately. But the gospel is actually referred to as the gospel of God. The gospel of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Faith, first point, is God. Now, I want to give you some points, some pastoral points on how to be sound and strong in the faith. How to be sound and strong in the faith. We have to tighten all this in our lives so that we can even proceed with our messages on knowing God. Because I'm not here just to give information. I am here to build you up in our most holy faith. So how to be sound and strong in the faith. Number one, abstain from every appearance of evil and fleshly lust which war against the soul. How to be sound and strong in the faith. And I'll show you why. Abstain from every appearance of evil and fleshly lust which war against the soul. What is the war after? It is the war after your faith. So the Bible says we should take the shield of faith wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fairy dust of the wicked one. What are the fairy dust? These things. The appearance of evil. And the fleshly lusts which were against the soul. They throw darts of doubt on faith. They cast darts. Darts are small, small arrows. But hazardous to your life. They cast darts of doubts on faith. And so you should make it a personal policy to keep your windshield of faith clear. Make it a personal policy. Don't venture into things that makes you begin to question God. And doubt God. That is the point. So abstain from every appearance of evil and fleshly lust which were against the soul. The cares of this life. They are all part of these things of the flesh. The cares, the worries, the anxiety. Anything which war against your soul will war against your faith. Anything which war against your soul will war against your faith. Because the soul consists of your mind, your will, and your affections. Listen to these things very well. And when it happens like that, you don't guard your soul against the appearance of evil and fleshly lusts which war against the soul. It will bring disquietude to your soul. It will unseat you in your soul. It will impair sound spiritual judgment and threaten assurance it will even oppose your advance and this is something interesting nominal happy going Christians don't have a clue about what I'm talking about there are some people they just sit in church I mean they are just happy for nothing 
It's a false security. You know, they are just happy. I mean, if soldiers are going to war and a session of us are very happy when bombs are flying and they, they, they are sick. Are you following what I'm saying? Something is wrong. We are an army. 100 member battalion, whatever we are going, and then about 20 of them, they are behaving like we are going for a wedding. And some of us sit in our midst. It's, a, it's an abnormal state. So these are nominal people. They don't have a clue about what I'm talking about. They are too nominal to be alarmed by anything concerning their faith. The faith is not an issue to call for alarm. Do you know your expensive phone can be stolen and your child is very happy and watching cartoons? He does not, he's not into the world that values a phone. You have lost appetite. And you are moving up and down. I can't find my phone. These days of expensive phones. I can't find it. And your child is very happy. Because he's a nominal human being. They don't know the cost of anything. So believers like that, they sit in danger and they call it safety. And by the way, a nominal Christian doesn't mean a safe Christian. You are not safe. You are just ignorant. Because we are going to war with 100 soldiers, 20 of you, you are behaving as if you are going for a party. If a gun hits you, that's it. Forget about your rejoicing. So safety does not lie in ignorance. There are some people in our midst, nothing, nothing moves them. I want you to know them and draw the line. It's not, that it, it's not a picture of that is how Christianity is. They are not alarmed by anything. Nothing moves them. They are happy when we are sad. When we are happy, they are sad. They are the opposite of every mannerisms of real people of faith. Like Jesus said, to his disciples. Lazarus is asleep. Let's go and wake him up. Then Thomas says, look, if he's asleep, he will get up. You see, he, he doesn't get it. So, to be nominal and to take that for safety is to sign up for destruction. Is to sign up for destruction. Therefore, become a proper Christian. One whose faith and life count. One who is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. One who takes up his cross and follows Jesus wherever he leads. That kind of Christian is what is safe for a soul. It's safe. That kind of Christianity is safe for a soul. Not the nominal, careless Christianity. So I'm trying to show you that this kind of thing that makes you feel like I am safe, you are not safe. Do you get a picture of what I'm trying to show you? They are easy going. Nominal.
Be careful of false sense of security. It is a dangerous danger in itself. It's as dangerous as danger itself. Number two, avoid the company and companions of erring people. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Second Timothy 2, 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. Why? For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Now this is one of these verses, it may never be read for a long time. And their word will eat as does a canker of whom is Hermenius and Philetus. Even Paul mentioned their names. Name calling. So avoid the company and companions of erring people. First Corinthians 15.33 Now when Paul spoke this, he was speaking because of error, not because of manners per se. First Corinthians 15 verse 33 Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. He was talking about where people are challenging they are challenging the resurrection. So the evil communication there is not, you know, something with anything but the error, those who err from the truth. He says, avoid the company and companions of erring people. That is two. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Is that not what we do in health, health science? We separate people when there is an infectious disease. You saw it in the COVID. Infection rate is also high in spiritual things. So the company of erring people, it can be people themselves, it can be publications, it can be programs, it can even be products. The point is, it is wrong and you must avoid it in the eternal interest of your soul. Avoid the company and companions of erring ones. May the Lord give you the grace to know firsthand that something is in error. Seen it? And need of human beings will always be an exploitation for those who are into error. The needs of human beings. Listen, Christianity is more than meeting your needs. It is you meeting God. If you let your needs lead you, you will enter into error. The average Pentecostal charismatic Christian now is not likely to be 100% faith, 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 the faith in this, in this Bible. Something else is added. Even among ministers, people have to put candles together to prophesy. I was speaking with 
our brother this, this weekend, one of our dear brothers in this church, they brought somebody to their church to come and do for them. And sometimes I ask myself, what is the basis for bringing all these people? He said, when the guy came forward, you see, this kind of thing that you don't know what is wrong, but you just know something is wrong. May you be blessed with that kind of sensitivity and perception. You can't put your finger on, on anything. I've dealt with people like that, and they, they are like, okay, what is it? Show me. I said, look, okay. I'm saying there's a hole in front of you. Is I, I can't see. Show me. Where is it? And they have all been falling, tim, 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 inside it. I think God may be saving somebody or two tonight. Either you are here or online. So avoid a company and companions of erring people. Number three, attain pure knowledge of God. Attain pure knowledge of God. You see, I am laboring and telling you these things. It's as if they are not powerful or they are not important. A lot of people have escaped these things and they run to us back for solution because they won't listen to this instruction. It's like being on a highway and then we say 50 50 miles limit. Don't, don't go 50 uh, uh, miles per hour. Don't go beyond that. And then you go beyond that and they arrest you. That kind of thing. These are the signposts. Watch it. Abstain from every appearance of people and fleshly last which war against the soul. Avoid the company and companions of erring people. Attain pure knowledge of God. What is pure? Is what is scriptural. What is pure is what is what? Not what is experiential and controversial. There are a lot of experience-based things these days. But I'm talking about the pure knowledge of God. Nobody's interested in how I encountered God and how I met this one and how I went to heaven. We have not finished reading Revelation, please. A lot of heaven stuff is in here. Amen. Go to heaven to go and see those who are there and those who are not there. Which church is going there, which church is not going there. What kind of heaven did you go to? My people, are you listening to me? So what is pure is what is scriptural, not what is experiential and certainly not what is controversial. Experience is not the valid authority of truth. All experiences and controversies should be brought to the bar of God's word for judgment. All experiences, including your own, and controversies should be brought to the bar of God's word for judgment. The word of God says as the supreme judge of all matters. So so-called experiences, visions, theories, and every form of knowledge should be brought to the bar of God's word. And the church said, Amen.
Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, that means there are other what? Unto you than that you have received. Let him be praised. Let him be what? Cursed. Sometimes I find people cursing people who should not be cursed. Yes. Why did this person do this? Then the preacher is very angry. You know, this will happen to him and all his family. Even people are not part. Look at where apostolic jealousy is. But though we or an angel, may your prayer be, Lord, help me never to be afraid of any man. So that even if I come, because that's how it starts. But though we are an angel from heaven, see, that is a, a good excuse for the angel because he's from heaven. But nobody knows whether you are going to return back to heaven as you have come down. So, though we are an angel from heaven, preach. Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. Verse 9. And as we said before, so say I now again. The immediate verse after that, he's still on that. Apostolic emphasis. Keep it there. I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Now, something interesting in this same chapter, Paul says that the revelation that he received, verse 12, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but the revelation by the, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. But he wouldn't run with that alone. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Do you understand it? I'm asking you, do you understand it? What is he saying? He's saying that even though I had the privilege of Jesus appearing to me and teaching me things, I have to go back. I went up by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But privately to them which are of reputation. He was preaching to people who are also, I mean, uh, uh, big men in society. Lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. That brings me to the fourth point. Acquaint yourself with the people of life faith who love the truth. Acquaint yourself 
with the people of like faith who love the truth. Do so with people, with books, and anything that has the capacity to influence you right. Acquaint yourself with the people of like faith who love the truth. So I've given you some flashpoints. Two are negative, two positive. One, abstain from every appearance of evil and fleshly lust which war against the soul. Because they throw dust of doubt on faith. And you should make it a personal policy to keep to your windshield, to keep your windshield of faith clear. Keep faith clear in this area first of all. You can write First Thessalonians 5.22 down, 1 Peter 2.11, Ephesians 6.13 and 14, 1 Peter 1.13 to 16. And don't let nominal Christians to confuse you in this thing I'm talking about because they are not alive to any danger. They are just there. Happiness is not the sign of safety. So when people are just then they're just happy for nothing, you know, they're excited. It doesn't mean they are safe. They could be dancing around danger. And somebody who is sober and quiet is because of something dangerous. That is why he is that way. But you don't know. You think that he is sad. Number two, avoid the company and companions of erring people. Avoid. There are some preachers, they are not even evil company, but I don't, I don't listen to them. How much more if you are in an evil company? Be very careful. Number three, on a positive note, attain pure knowledge of God. And what is pure, I said, is what is scriptural, not what is experiential and controversial. Don't waste your time. And finally, acquaint yourself with the people of like faith who love the truth. When you come here every Wednesday, you are acquainting yourself with people who love the truth. When you come here on Sundays, you are acquainting yourself with people who love the truth. Amen. I, I don't really think I'll be able to proceed to my message. I will, I will defer it to next week. But this is enough. I'll be speaking to you next week about knowing God, the power of God. That's the subject. But I feel led by the Lord to share this with you. Because this life will challenge faith. And faith must answer and even conquer. When you come to those places of strain and stress and pain, your faith will have to answer. And for you to be sound and strong in the faith, this, these are the points that the Lord has led me to give unto you. Amen. In, in this faith, there, there are practical things to do. It's not everything that is, you know, sentimental and emotional and no. Think through these things. And make sure that you are, you are walking according to them. And you will be sound and you will be strong in the faith. Amen. Give me number one. What is number one? 
Number two. Number three. Number four. Amen. Don't sneak and go for meetings somewhere. I spoke to you last week. God is here. You know, Sunday Reverend was spending his time saying, you know, God, uh, you know power and this and all of that. It is not because there is a God of Reverend Samuel, the God of Reverend Samuel, it's not because there is any God like that. It is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I didn't bring any God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? God. Long before before I came, the word was there. God was there. When you call on that God, he will hear you. Amen. He will answer you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to do something unusual, which I would have done with a few of us. Now everything I'm speaking here, it's in justification of the three things that we stand for in this place. Apostolic Christianity, transformational mission, and revival of the church. Amen. Amen. I'm a sober preacher. I'm not under any adrenaline, you know, shout, do this, this. I know what I'm doing. Do you understand? The Lord took me to a certain site before the beginning of this church. And this is a Canadian man who loves God and he wants, he has a passion for truth and genuine biblical Christianity and revival. I think this year, last year or this year was their 20th year in operation. So anywhere he, he sees something, an authentic message, then he will put it on the side. So I went to that site, I remember, and I met people of like precious faith. There was a brother in, in, in the US, I introduced to that site. And because of proximity, that time I was in the UK and he was in, in the US. He called the man in Canada and said, you know what? I know another preacher in Africa, and this is his emphasis. He speaks about biblical Christianity. Can you add him to it? We exchange meals. So he said, I've sent it to him. I've spoken to him, but he should add him. So not long, the man had gone for messages of the pastor and put it there, both audio and video. So it is not something like it is only in favor of white people. No, anything, anywhere he could get, he puts it there. I have memories of going to sit down under, in parks and listening to the messages with my earphone. I have memories of going to download messages and listening. And occasionally, I go there to go and see. 
what's going on. Because you can't go there and remain the same. Now, recently I was there and then someone has written it because I was meditating and thinking. <laughs> and he wrote something here, which I want to read to you. This is a brother who is also on the page. John Noss prayed. Listen, I'll be closing my message with that. Lord, give me Scotland or I die. I'll be jumping over some of them. The brethren during the Hebrides revival prayed, Lord, if you will not use us, kill us. And on and on and on and on and on. He was speaking. But unfortunately, listen, our churches are filled today with people who, this is somebody on, the, on, on that side from a, one of our countries in West Africa here who is writing. Because Christianity has been finest before in two of our West African countries, in Nigeria and in Ghana. And he comes from that place. So he said, but unfortunately, our churches are filled today with people who are not ashamed of spiritual barrenness. We are only hearing them asking, God, give me money. God, give me husband. God, give me visa. Where do we see members again that will be praying and fasting? When you listen to them, you will be hearing, Lord, let your fire fall in my community and let there be revival. When Paul encountered Christ, he fell down and rose up. What he asked was, Lord, what will you have me do? But today, when we fall under anointing, we stand up to start expecting marriage proposals and visas and employment letters. This is a page that includes all kinds of people around the wife. Um, the, the owner himself is a Canadian. Man of God, this generation of members in many of our churches every day have not had a genuine encounter yet. No generation has carried Bible the way we carried it without opening it. No generation has been so passionless for souls the way we are. No generation of ministers has lied to their members the way we are doing. But by the grace of God, I'm not going to join lying prophets. And no generation of members are zealously going to hell from their churches than in our generation. Many preachers in our time are distracting their members from the cross of Calvary. Ask any of those that saw the revival of the 80s and the 90s and they will have tears in their eyes for this merchandise we are doing with the Holy Ghost. Brother, the Holy Ghost is far from some of these generations of churches everywhere. Don't be deceived because people fall under the anointing. But say, I can bet that what is pushing them down is not the anointing. Bedding for the lost and passing for evangelism is the only Asian sign that, that he is around. A man that has lost his cry for souls has lost the Holy Ghost. A church where members attend from year to year and are not challenged to go for souls, but they are only challenged to pay their tithes and sow dangerous seeds, that church has lost the Holy Ghost. When I mean souls, I mean kingdom growth, not church growth. You know? 
like our brother who is sitting here. He heard me preach on radio and he's been part of us since he discovered us here. Now he's a Christian already. That's no church growth. But the sinners getting saved. So when you read what meaning this, we speak about church influence beyond church growth. I understand what I, what I say. I understand English and I understand the things of God. It is unfortunate that the aim of few crusades we see around mainly for church are mainly for church and financial growth. None is yet toward kingdom growth. A prophet that sees date of birth and phone numbers of people but does not see that the people are doomed sinners, that prophet has lost the Holy Ghost and he needs revival. This, that, this is a site for no-nonsense people. Are you following what I'm saying? Now in our time, people come to, I'm just doing selected reading. People come to our churches and follow the anointing and stand up to start expecting contrasts, jobs, marriage proposals, and all of that. I think it is a repeat. I mean, everything is important, but for the sake of time, because it is quite a lot. He spoke about a place where he said noiseless impact or influence. I wanted to see that place, but those were the days that it characterized noiseless impact. Noiseless. May the Lord visit us again. Right. Let me read one more and then we will end it. Where are the pastors who led us to Christ in the 80s? The church needs to go back to discipleship and very urgently too. Something I said when we began, you know, Bible studies like we've, we've had. I will forever be thankful to God for saving me in the early 80s. Using some strange pastors to draw me to Christ. These pastors taught us about contentment and they also modeled it. Our services were never under the pressure of first, second, third or fourth services. If anyone lacked, all lacked. Our pastors were not celebrities. When we entered the church, we settled down to be taught. We had a whole one hour of Sunday school, another hour of believers foundational class, another extra 30 minutes of question and answer time on the topic we just discussed at the believers class. One hour of intercession, about 45 minutes to one hour of intense worship and praise, and another one hour of the main word session. You will leave the church fully loaded with breath and depth, the power of God moved. We love God and we feared him. We are talking about knowing God. Our pastors never focused their ministries on money. They never competed on who or who doesn't have the largest auditorium. They never competed on who owns the largest fleet of cars or jets. It was all about heaven. They were contended with their 100, 200, 300, or 1,000 members. Our pastors never courted corrupt politicians, nor were they associated with burying things under their church buildings. Something is wrong. I've left a lot, and I've come to a place. Something is wrong with our present Christianity. To know Jesus is to be transformed, not otherwise. Another subhead. This is a burden that is not peculiar to only one person. I told you at the workers' meeting, uh, 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 I don't know, last week or so, 
one of the leading ministers of that country, he said, something is wrong. Why is it that, and I quote him, the, the Christianity, the gospel is not rocking the system. Something is wrong. That is what he said. Something is wrong. May the Lord use obscure meetings like this to fix whatever is wrong. And you begin with yourself. Because if you partake of error, you will not be a candidate for something like that. You get yourself disqualified. Be on your feet. Remember the analogy I gave you. If somebody gives you a shop and then somebody is taking things out of it and you are the shopkeeper, even if you are not a relative of the person, wouldn't you be alarmed? You want to pray this evening, the Lord, give me that kind of spirit that I will be alarmed for truth. I will be alarmed for truth. I will be alarmed for the truth. When it is going, I will see it. Don't join anything that would defeat the aim of revival of apostolic Christianity and transformational mission. Don't do it. And that is what you have heard in the short moment this evening. God bless you for listening to this message today. Visit us on Facebook at GTTI page today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every week. And remember, the future belongs to us, we believe.